0: this is my perspective this is my thought <laughs> yeah. this is my experience um, and my understanding and it's it's always in process right we're all always in process of um, thinking and learning so um, I think in response I would just invite listeners to think about what purpose front-loading serves for their teaching um, and then is that the is that the best way to accomplish it and then what do your students need is your front-loading doing all the work for them? Welcome to the Teachers Changing Teaching Podcast. On today's episode, we expound on the idea of front-loading before reading a class text. Here are your hosts, Dr. Jamie Collins, Natalie
1: Davey, and Rachel Evans.
0: Hello everyone. Welcome. I'm Jamie Collins. I'm Rachel Evans, and I'm Natalie Davy. And we wanted to do a short podcast and talk about front loading. Yes. Yeah, so in when I asked the question, yeah,
2: um, how do we help students see themselves as readers? Right. Uh, Jamie talked about front loading. Right? right. This idea of how much information do we give to students before they read a text? How much do we help them before we read a text? Right. Um, and. We were sitting here talking, and I was just wondering, you know, what what information is good and helpful to give students? How much information? What's too much? Mm-hmm. Um, what's not enough, right? How do we get them sort of oriented to what's going on, but not baby them and hold their hand through it? Right, right. right. So what's what recommendations do you have yeah. for front-loading?
0: Teach well, us, Jamie. Well, and I can say, honestly, there are – multiple perspectives on this subject. There are multiple books, there are multiple research projects, there are multiple theories, and some of them conflict, some of them support, some of them come from all different places. And so I am going to do my best to not do the approach of like a lit review at this point, uh, because that is, um, that's not helpful. So I'm going to talk about some big ideas when we're thinking about front loading. Will that help? Yeah. That's great. Okay. And feel free to follow up with like questions Mm -hmm. or anything. So when we're thinking about front loading, we're thinking about in a basic way, what are we doing with students before um, they do the reading task or before they do the learning thing? Right. Like, what right. do I, what do I do? In the, what do I put on my slides? Right. Right. <laughs> right. right. We're right. about to read this novel. Yeah. Now what do I put on my slide? Yes. Yes. How much, how much do I tell them? Mm-hmm. How much do I tell them before we start doing the thing? Right. Yeah. Whatever the thing is. Um, I think what we need to, um, think about and consider first and foremost is a lot of times the assumption is I must tell them all these things in order for them to truly learn. And I think that that's often done in the name of scaffolding. I'm going to scaffold them into this by doing these, talking about these things, you know, presenting this information to them. And I think that's well-meaning from a, the teacher. I did it. I do it. Um, I I want them so much to get it. And so I'm going to do this work to make sure that they get it. Yeah. Right. 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 Because we genuinely want them to get it. And we're thinking about how we can, in essence, kind of level the playing field. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And and provide the supports that they need to get into what we're asking them to learn and to do. I think, though, what comes with that is this assumption that um, in order for a student to learn, it has to be easy. Um, in order for um, an individual to engage with a text, they have to have all the answers before they even have the questions. Right. And so, a lot of times as teachers, what we do is we think through all the possible questions and challenges, and we try to pre-answer them so that it becomes easier right. for them. Um, this alludes to some of the work um, by Moffat. This concept that we do all the work for the students. We figure out all the ways and all the components and all the parts that are going to be challenging. And in, in well-meaning, we try to simplify it, synthesize it, ease it, ease them into it and through it. Mm-hmm. But what we, when we do that, we deny students the experience of learning struggle, right? working through ambiguity. Mm-hmm. We deny them the opportunity to uh, make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Ask questions for themselves. Ask questions for themselves. As they
1: arise, not even beforehand when they haven't even come across them yet.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we so manufacture curriculum and I, man, when I was an early career teacher, I was like, just give me the curriculum that works and I'll teach it. Yeah. Right. Like just, just give me the thing and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but what that doesn't factor in is every human being is different. Yeah. And our experiences are different. The way we learn is different. And we have this idea that there is one exact perfect way that if we can just get that formula in place, then we will be the greatest teacher of all time. Mm. And I tell my students and I tell the teachers I work with, don't go for great. Don't go for good. Go for effective. Mm. Yeah, Cause that's, that feels so much more doable. Right. Yeah. yeah. And effective allows struggle. Yeah. Effective allows challenge. Um, when we're thinking about front loading, we are thinking about how we can support students and work with them well. And I would say, um, just on a practical end, maybe give a small amount of um, historical context, okay. um, cultural context, um, and provide something. Provide what they need to just just get into it mm. on a basic level. Um, avoid tearing, uh, providing all of the answers to the questions that they might have. Mm. And then what we do is we engage with the text and as they naturally produce questions, we know the answers. We, we know, we know exactly, not exactly. We know more about the history, you know, more about the author. We know about this and we can drop small bits like she was an orphan. Right. Right. Right oh, that third line makes sense. Right. Um, he always struggled with, um, alcohol or drug abuse. Right. <gasps> that makes sense. Right. Right. Um, he, this person grew up in, um, the great depression. <gasps> makes sense. Okay. So, but we only bring that when the students are like, why are they fighting over bread? Right. And they ask each other and they talk and they interact and they have the question for a while and the question marinates in the room. Mm. And we let the text take on a life of its own with the students in that space. And then we start to offer answers. Right. Is this scary? Yes. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Am I good at this? Not always. Mm. Do I want to jump through it and make it easy? Yes. Do mm. I want to have 15 slides that tells them what bread means, what the flower you know, in the garden means? Do, yes, absolutely. I do. Sure. But I am denying them the opportunity to do that. Mm. Another component too is thinking about um, what Britton talks about as our inner speech. Mm. So in education in our system, we have denied students the opportunity to develop, to list, to learn how to listen to their inner speech. Right? This inner voice, this inner developing thought process that I have. We have communicated to them over time. Shh. Right. Yeah. Right. Quiet that. Quiet that. Do the steps that I've created. Correct. This is learning. Mm what we need to think about is how we can create opportunities for our students to, to understand I have a question and it is valid.
1: Mm, Yeah. This is
0: legitimate. I'm going to put words to this question, right? I'm going to have the guts to say, this is weird Mm. today. The next few weeks I'm going to have guts to say, I don't understand this. Right. We have to have that ambiguity and that space so that students learn to listen to that inner speech, right? That helps them become great writers. Mm-hmm. It helps them become great communicators. We need to help them find that small, quiet voice, mm-hmm. so that they can communicate with um, first up here, then a few peers, and then grow. Mm-hmm. What we have is our classrooms are dominated by a few students that are very confident in their inner speech. Sure. You know, I'll go and observe a classroom, and oh, we had a great discussion. Well. You posed a question and the same three people talked back to you over and over and over through the prompting questions. What if instead students have texts, they read by themselves, then they read with a partner, then they cultivate questions, then they write their responses, and we're marinating and working in this text over and over and over
1: again. Right.
0: That was just a great lesson plan that
1: you provided. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Jamie Collins also gives lesson plans, everyone. There you go.
0: So what we're trying to do is see f- see the the prep mm. as ways to get them into it, mm. not ways to put all the pebble all the, like the path in place. Right, just follow the path I made for you. Right, just follow because that's not life. Right, that's not learning.
1: Well, and even the approach that you just talked about with trying to include everybody, like you're bolstering the community of your classroom, right, which is huge to the culture of your classroom. And provide students with the, like the insight that, hey, you have a question and yeah, you're smart, but somebody else has a question and their question is valid and smart too. Right. But so often we silence those kids who are quieter, who maybe take more time, like need more think time. Yes. They don't get to even be heard. Correct. At all. Right. Whereas that smart kid needs to hear, there's other questions that you're not even considering actually.
0: Yes. That's valuable for them to know. It is. It's really important. And always thinking about how in your classroom you're creating space for leveling the playing field in the sense of everyone gets time to talk. They may not want to, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times I get pushback from teachers of, this sounds so like, oh, you know, frolic in the fields and share this. But the assumption is that what we're doing is working for everybody, Mm -hmm. and it's not. right. And so you can do the, you know, follow my lead, take the notes, do the lecture, do that. But what about the student who needs a different approach? The assumption is what we're doing works for everybody. And I just don't see that when I'm in the classroom. I don't see kids clamoring to come in. Mm. I don't see bells ringing and students saying, please don't make us leave
1: right yes yeah, so true right the assumption
0: yeah. is I, that's what i get so frustrated with i'll be honest when i talk about these ideas with and these concepts and these approaches that have been out for decades we just didn't pick them up mm. because it's well kids won't do that if you take time to cultivate that environment they will they will and if not 100% I would argue more of a percentage that are engaging right now in a very traditional classroom Mm -hmm. where if you really think about it, a few are really getting a lot. Right. Right. Um, now I, that's opinionated and that's perspective filled. Absolutely. But, um, we, we need classrooms that don't do all the work that teachers aren't doing all the work for the students. Right. That, um, my goal in providing information is to further cultivate your questioning and your curiosity
1: mm-hmm.
0: and learn how to uh, listen to that inner voice, mm-hmm. not um, shut it down and follow my lead. Right. And follow, not I wouldn't say follow my lead, follow the path that I've put in front of us. Right. And do it and do it well. Play school. Right. Yeah. Um, and so when there is, you know, pushback or questions about, creating this space where students are sharing and talking. Um, I, my pushback is, well, I don't see, you know, I haven't seen a lot of classes that are thriving in the, in what we're doing right now. Right. With all the front loading and all the, all the components. Yeah. Jamie, you are the smartest person we know.
1: (laughs) And you're amazing. And world, we are happy
0: that you get to hear her voice. (laughs) going to edit out that part no! No! <laughs> yeah. Rachel does that answer your question
2: that is very helpful I'm going to go rethink some of
0: my lesson plans really right. what I'm tell sure. me talk yeah. back to me like what are you rethinking okay. what's what's well, happening with in your brain I I
1: tell I think I, I give the impression to students that I know all about colonialism <laughs> 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 I do not know all about colonialism <laughs>
2: But my front loading sure as heck makes it seem like I do. Well, I just, this idea of, I didn't front, the, the background information that students, that are, is helpful for students to know that they get that from their own questions. Right. Not from me saying this is what's important right. for you to know. Right. Even with things like vocabulary. hmm Yes.
0: Okay, you don't know a word in that poem. Go look it up. Go look it up. Move on. Yeah, find something else to talk about in it. Yeah, I don't know every word that I read. I don't either. No, no I way. move on. Right, right. Yeah, you you put in some context.
2: You kind of figure it, and you move. Yeah, on. and right. move on. Um, yeah. So even just, I don't know. Like, ha- I think I give them too much information, yeah. Yeah. especially for. And this is where maybe the like historical cultural. Yeah. Things like I do when I teach Romeo and Juliet, I get, we do like Elizabeth in England, mm-hmm. but like how much of that do they need to know to understand what's happening in Romeo and Juliet?
0: Right. Well, and two, if you give me a moment, like if we're putting that lens, forcing that lens on them, are we disengaging them before they've even had a chance?
2: Mm.
0: Cause we're just telling them, I don't know a student who's going to be like, you know what? Had I not understood Elizabethan culture, I would not like this play. Having understood Elizabethan culture, dadgum, this is incredible. Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, really. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. We, what we have done is we have valued the perspective of that one has with background knowledge. Mm. Right. like, it is important that they know blank because we've decided that that's what's important. Right. But we haven't questioned. Wait, when did I re- when did I learn that background knowledge mm-hmm. in college? Sure, right, right, right. When I had time to read and to think about these things.
1: Yeah, and if you've read, or if anybody, I don't know if you mentioned it earlier, uh, blouse litera- the literature workshop. Yeah, but there's also. We don't give students enough credit that they actually will learn and understand things before we tell them to no, learn no. and understand we, things. We think they're stupid. We think, I mean, let's <laughs> be honest. That's what like that's the assumption of a lot of the front loading that we do. Like, hey, you won't find figure out any of this right. unless I tell you it before a text. Right. And that book is really helpful because all he does is he literally just gives like a transcription of his yep. classes and what yep. students are saying as they're moving through yeah. texts and then how the teacher responds. And it's, it's natural. Like even as readers and like, as we read poems and stuff like, okay, what does that mean? Oh, I need to go look up that word. Oh, well that word is kind of like an older, like not as commonly used today. That has to mean that it's not current. Yeah. Or like there's a word in Spanish. Oh, maybe right. that tells me something about the author's background. Like there's all sorts of things. Yes. But it's like, it doesn't take a genius. Yeah. To realize those things as they're writing a text. Right. We to give students more credit to do that yes. work in our classroom because yes. they certainly don't get the opportunity yes. very often.
0: No. And then after they've done that, mm-hmm. right, after they've done the working with this, then I can go back and say, so-and-so, you mentioned this and this and that. Mm. That's actually a new critical lens, like a new criticism, right? Ooh, that's wow. That's a feminist perspective. Mm. And tell me more. Talk to me more about what you're thinking. Right. I bullet out what that student says so-and-so has just displayed for us a feminist read of this poem.
1: Mm.
0: It's like, whoa, what? So I'm not denying them access to these rich tools to understand a text. Mm. I'm bringing it in. um, In PBL language, it's the need to know. Like you created this moment of cognitive dissonance. Mm. I have this, I've, I've had this authentic question. And as the teacher, I'm bringing in um, this component, but it's being led by you pulling it out of me. Right. And so it feels like, Oh, so-and-so, so-and-so did the feminist. What in this room? Right. We're, we're, we're being theory creators. Right. Right. In this, really my age. Yes. Oh, Ding dong. Wow. Someone's come to visit <laughs> kids are here. Someone's at the front door. Yep. Kids are home from school and friends are coming over to find them. Yep. I'm, I'm finding, like I'm finding something. And then if someone doesn't say it, then you say, okay, something that I want to make sure that we understand before we move on is blank. And -and so-and-so kind of alluded to this. So you anchor in it somehow, but you're not saying, okay, whatever we found, we found cross the ring, but we bring it up. And then you say, you know, you found so many components, look at all that you found, you know, look at all these, look at all this complexity that you're able to do. I want to make sure that we've also understand this. But I'm as a student, I'm hearing this author's biography. Okay. And I'm hearing his experience and I'm anchoring it to a line in the text. Oh, I'm yeah. not hearing you talk. I have nowhere to put it. Right? Like you told me about him, and it's just floating. And I'm just gonna cross my fingers, right? That it'll come back when I need it. Right. We haven't given them like files to put it in. Right. There's no, there's no. Like system in there,
2: right? Yeah. Do you see that's what I'm saying? Schemas, yeah. I think that's yeah, yeah. There's yeah, not yeah. there's not
0: like a a schema there. But when you have the poem, you're like, oh, that's early. That's first stanza. Oh, that's the line about the the flowers. You're able to anchor it in to the reading and the learning that I'm doing. Right. It's not. Trust me, you're going to need this. Write it down. Right. It's
1: actually real time. Yeah. You no. Know, you now you do yeah. need it.
0: Oh, now. I do need it now. Right. <gasps> I'm okay. And now I'm going to ask you to write this, this blank. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to all the incredible things we've talked about so far, mm-hmm. about this poem or about this story, and you just blah blah. blah. Look how smart we are.
1: Yeah. Great.
0: Right. Look how smart we are. Right. And go right. And so they're writing from what they collectively did. And. The front-loading came to serve to bring them in. I think scaffolding is an absolute must. But I think we can't say that we're scaffolding. We can't call scaffolding what we do in the beginning of a text in order to make it easier. Scaffolding is when we're in the middle of it. How do we continue to keep them asking questions and move forward in the momentum of learning? to continue towards a goal. Right.
2: Did that answer your question? It does answer my question. <laughs> amazing. Thank you for talking us through that.
0: You're amazing. That's helpful. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Appreciate you guys listening to our yes. little side commercial about front loading. Yes. We just <laughs> thought, um, it was a word that came up in our last conversation and we yeah. thought, Hey, let's chat or about to it. Explore. Yeah. Yeah. More to explore. Let's do something with that. Um, and again, I feel like I have to like, this is my perspective. (laughs) This is my thought. (laughs) This is my experience um, and my understanding. And it's, it's always in process, right? We're all always in process of um, thinking and learning. So um, I think in response, I would just invite listeners to think about what purpose front loading serves for their teaching. Um, and then is that the is that the best way to accomplish it? And then what do your students need? Um, and is your front-loading doing all the work for them? Yeah. When there's a time that they could come in at a at a more intentionally placed moment. Mm. And it mean more. Right. Because uh, the information is wanted. Right. Is needed. Right. And it's anchored yeah. to the experience you're having with the text. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode on frontloading. Today at school, consider this. When you engage in front
2: loading,
1: are you answering the very questions that the text seeks to address? What is too little or too much frontloading? I hope you have a great week. We're in this with you. See you soon.